Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Oh, what a day we've got working. There was yelling, <laughs> there was disagreement. And once again, Greeny's genius was proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's what we did on Get Up this morning. I can't wait to see what the next two hours has to bring. Here we go! Only one place to start. Our one place to start is with football and our good friend, Mr. Jeff Saturday. Good enough to hang out after we wrap up Get Up and spend some time talking football with us here. Thank you, as always, Jeffrey. Love doing it. So here, here's my issue, all right? So we got into a bunch of different stuff today. We got the Monster Game coming up this weekend, Dallas-Philly, yeah. awesome. We'll spend some time talking about that. We got this just mayhem going on with the Jets and Zach Wilson. We'll get oh. into that. We got Lewis saying a fascinating thing today about the Bears and Justin Fields. We'll get into that. But I want to start with the point that I was making about Josh Allen. This has become something of a topic on this show. So I want to take you back through the sands of time to last week. I get home from Europe sick as a freaking dog. I watch the Eagles play the Bills. I watch Josh Allen play what I thought was as good a game as any quarterback Unreal. in the NFL has played this entire season. Of all the games I've watched, I haven't seen a quarterback play a better game. The next day, unfortunately, I'm diagnosed with COVID, <laughs> and so I'm not coming into work. And I am besieged with texts from people telling me, Greeny, they're killing Josh Allen on your shows. Everyone on the shows is talking about Josh Allen lost the game. Josh Allen did this. Josh Allen threw one interception in the second half, and that's the reason the Bills lost. And, I, and I, I've been trying to figure out a way for this to be crystallized in my mind, and here's what it is. I feel like Josh Allen is blamed for the Bills' losses more than any of the other elite quarterbacks are blamed for their team's losses, despite the fact that, in my opinion, he does at least as much, if not more, than any of the rest of them to have his team in a position to have any chance in the first place. I should have said it that way. You know, sometimes you have more time to think it through. That's what I'm trying to say. What do you think? Yeah, I I appreciate the the sentiment of he's doing more to – because if you looked at the game, he was their leading rusher against the Eagles, obviously the passer – I think the issue for players and and for people who are analyzing the game, as we have been, um, I don't know if trained is the right word, but but turnovers to us are one of the key factors to wins and losses in the NFL. And so when you assign positive plays, whether it's touchdowns, if a player continues to turn the ball over, you will focus more on the negative side than the positive side. Because as well as Josh Allen played – Fast forward to the fourth quarter of that game. He throws an out that gets jumped. It's an interception. They end up losing the game. Now, you can always go back and say, hey, he had his team in positions to win. You know, they have 12 on the field. And and I agree with you 100% on all that. The issue for Josh Allen, though, is, and especially in big games and big moments, turnovers are, are it is the it is the most applied to quarterbacks. It, the most negative thing you can say about any quarterback is that he's prone to turnovers. And Josh Allen 
has been prone to turn his entire career. And so no one is giving him that pass. Like, they would give Patrick Mahomes the pass because he avoids turnovers to a large degree. They would give, they would give the benefit of the doubt. Even Lamar Jackson gets some of this. When, when he turns the ball over in the fourth quarter, like their losses this season have been because of poor performances late in games, right? And so I think that's what it is. So, so as good as Josh Allen is, and I agree he's a MVP or slash elite type player in the NFL year in and year out, but he has to carry the blame because he's going to get the credit. And so, you know, for you feeling bad because he's getting blamed, I think he's a little misguided. What do you think, Hembo? Give me some numbers here. I'm on your side here, Greeny, because I, I understand the notion that, that turnovers are a, a fatal flaw. But, but truthfully, they're not. We are just trained, like you said, to believe right. that turnovers equals the worst thing in the world. When in reality, sometimes you have to live with the turnovers because of what happens on the other side. So right. what I like to do... The risk-reward. Right. Yeah. So what I like to do, Greeny, what I like to do, Jeff, is look at both. I'm looking at the touchdowns and I'm looking at the turnovers because the differential between the two is the most important number. This year, only Dak Prescott's is better. Over the yeah. last two, only Dak Prescott's and Jalen Hurts is better. And over the last three and four, only Patrick Mahomes is better. So what I'm saying is, if you're only looking at Josh Allen's turnovers and you're pointing to one specific thing, you're missing the forest through the trees. Because this is a top five offense, it is a top five quarterback, by any other standard of measure, Agreed. even if you bake into the cake what their turnovers are, and that doesn't even take into account the fact that they rarely put the ball in the belly of a back, and as you said before, Jeff, right now he's playing across the worst defense he ever has. No doubt. Yeah, because he, he had the number one for five years, and they decided to fire that guy, right? So, that, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's on them. But I will say this about it. Not all turnovers are created equally, right? Like, I don't mind the um, first quarter shot play you try to take that might get intercepted. What, my, where, I, where I would say that I would have to look at all turnovers would be when are they occurring? Like that fourth quarter one against the Eagles, that was that's a bad ball. Like like that's not just a that is a mental error, right? So if if I, to me, I would equate that to mm-hmm. I just decided to block the wrong guy on a play. Like that wasn't a quote competitive play. Like the ones that you're talking about, like where it's like a bang bang got ball gets tipped or gets picked, those kind of things. But when a guy makes to me like a mental error and throws a really bad ball at a real inopportune time, that's where I would assign it more to him. Because if I did it and I just turned my back and let a guy run straight in and he crushes Peyton Manning, everybody would be like, you're the reason we lost the game. I assign the same to me depending on what that what that turnover looks like. I understand that. Is that something that can be like can we focus it in on just second half or just fourth quarter or we can like, split it how exist? we can split it however we want, but even when we take into account all the things yeah, right his, now. This is the ratio part, right? The ratio and when oh, you I ta- get that. when you but, take into account all things, like we have ways that blend all these things and stir them in a pot and spit out numbers. Right. Using our points above average metric, which is just one way of saying how much value have you added in relation to a sort of average quarterback, Josh Allen is literally first in the NFL this year. Yeah. And if he was on a 9-3 and three team with a top-10 defense, we'd be having the conversation, is he the MVP or is Brock Purdy or Jalen Hurts or, or, right. uh, or Dak Prescott? Greeny yeah. presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. So we, we, hey, go let, ahead. Me, let me come at this for one second because yeah. I will say this about him, but one thing I do love about when I, when I get to be here and hear these kind of things from the analytics side, 
One thing that when in my coaching experience last year in Indy, one thing that I realized, because it, you are, as a player and as a coach, trained about turnovers and momentum and all these kinds of things, but I would say this. The, the area that I didn't know was as impactful as it was, explosive plays are much more of a determining factor than turnovers. And that was never... Like, like I'll put it like this. When I was with Tony Dungy, who's in the Hall of Fame as a coach, Tony Dungy, his, he had, like, Tony's top five, right? Like, top five special teams, top five penalties, right? All these things. But he always ended it, the two were make big plays and don't give up big plays. And those would be, like, assigned a run over 10 yards, a pass over 17 yards, whatever that is. And when you looked at it, when we won the explosive plays, more often – the, the turnover side didn't matter nearly as much. If our explosive plays were the same, then turnover. But I never looked at it, and I would tell you going back now, explosive plays are really the metrics you should watch to see teams who win. Guess, guess who leads the league right now in explosive plays? San Francisco. 105 explosive plays, right? Leads the league, and they've only given up. 53. Himbo gave me that this morning, right? For, for another discussion. But what I realized is we don't care about turnovers, bro, because if they're having those kind of, they're making up for the, they're making up for the turnover by having those type of plays and scoring points. Because an explosive play either puts you in the end zone or puts you in scoring position. Yes. Like, what, this is, this is a little advanced, but we're going to do it anyway because we're talking about this. So Dan Orlovsky and I have this handy dandy sheet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, color coded, all sorts of stuff, lots of data points. What we found were like, the five most important determining factors of offense like in the modern NFL what are the five things that you have to get right to be successful and none of them are turnover turnover avoidance we have big plays we have avoiding negative uh, avoiding negative plays yes, like sacks yep. how good you are on first down yep. how effective uh, are you when you use motion and can you can your quarterback win outside of structure when the offensive line loses yeah because turnovers are random avoiding turnovers isn't a strategy it's, right, it's just right. something that you want to do yes. so let's get the big things right that we can control and Josh Allen does that about as well as any quarterback in the NFL not named Patrick Mahomes so the only thing I, I Again, I don't mean to push back against myself because this is my argument that I'm trying to make here. But there is, I mean, there is avoidings of negative plays. I mean, there is no more negative play than we have the ball and now they do. So I, I find it hard to imagine we shouldn't be including turnovers in negative plays. Right, but how often you allow a sack, which is how we're defining that stat, is something that you can be really good at or really bad at over a durable period of time. Jeff was on some of the best offensive lines ever, and Peyton Manning rarely got sacked. And those are those are like 50, 60, 70 more plays a year where your Hall of Fame quarterback can do something good rather than three, four, five. Like Because turnovers are random and chancy, too. Because like Josh Allen had a turnover um, three weeks ago that was tipped at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Is that his fault? Yeah. What if his receiver drops a pass and it, and it, and it you know, deflected to the safety? Yeah. It all counts the same in the quarterback ledger. Turnover, one. Right? Right. right? It's it's too random. It's too chancy for us to say like, oh, this is a fatal flaw without taking into context every single thing like you said, like time and score and field position right. and all the rest of it. All right. Yeah. Greeny with uh, Jeff Saturday here in studio and such interesting stuff all over the place here. We live as always at the Seaport District at Pier 17 brought to you by Chase. Quickly, if you were watching the Pat McAfee show yesterday, right here in this studio, right here on our seaport, uh, Aaron Rodgers was in here, and he had a lot of things to say about the the leaks that are coming out of the Jets and all kinds of things. Um, Very quickly, I will just say that I have known Diana Rossini forever, and I 100% trust what she is reporting. I can't tell you with any insight what exactly is and isn't happening there um, with the Jets, but the more important 
point, I think, once again, I, I totally support her uh, reporting. Having said that, what Rogers is talking about to me is really much less about the reporting yeah, than it is about where it comes from. Yeah, in the building. In the building. That, that's what I'm saying is that Diana is reporting things that she is being told. Of that, there is no question. Right. And Jeff, you played on great teams. When, when you've got leaks, mm. when you've got stuff coming mm. from the inside, like what, what is that like? Poison. It, 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 listen, there is no way to be successful when that's happening. And, I, and I will, I'll put it this way. Uh, Bill Poland, who's in the Hall of Fame, used to work for ESPN. He was our, my general manager for 13 years. And he had a one-voice principle. And he would, he would address the team one time a year, and that's what he would talk about. And he would say to the entire team, we, we don't leave this building without unity. I don't care if you like it, you dislike what. Once we've agreed on what we're, the, the unity that we're having in this building and what the Jets are doing is they they are cutting their own Achilles. No pun intended for yeah. Aaron, but yeah. like when you think about when you because now what you have is mistrust in the locker room. You have mistrust. Is it a coach? Is it players? Is it so now you don't know? So when you walk in, you feel like you're walking into a minefield. You don't know who you can trust. Who? What media? What beat writers? What you know? All of those things come into play because at the end of the day insecurity with a team like this is going to prevail players know that when coaches get fired they get fired so they're trying to find their own little homes now and they're trying to have their own little groups they can go you know link up with and be protected with and all of those things do nothing to the finished product of trying to win games so what Aaron is saying about hey we got to figure it out in the building and stop it that is an absolute fact it ain't the reporter don't blame that it's it's coming out of the building for no other reason than to you know to sow disunity and distrust which nobody can succeed with yeah, that's exactly right I, i've known diana long i mean she's not making this up <clears throat> no what, what yeah, literally no zero way. chance that she is making this up this is stuff she's being told by someone and the issue is the telling that's right so you can shoot the messenger all you want but at the end of the day the problem is the message yep and it being and it coming out of there i i can't fathom just how quickly and how badly that thing has disintegrated in so Brutal. many different ways. All right, I'll get into the Justin Field stuff as we go. You were the best. Jeff, thank Love you. Love y'all, man. Oh, Great but being quickly, here. quickly. Yes. That breakfast today. Fantastic. Start of the day right. So I took a picture of it. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm going to put that picture on Instagram. <laughs> you had to zoom out because the, the spread was so wide. If, if you go, I took this photo. If you go to my Instagram, at ESPN Greeny, in about the next three minutes, I will post it. Je- you ordered a. How would you describe your breakfast? My typical. That's typical breakfast. It's it's the it's the uh, meat lovers hungry man's omelet. It is two eggs over medium, and it is um, it was a beef sausage, a pig roast. <laughs> it, was, it was aggressively large. It was it was the most food. It was the most food I've ever. Se- Are you on Instagram? No, I'm not okay, on. Because so I can't even tag you. It was it was the most food I've ever seen a person eat. <laughs> In my entire life, and it was all meat and eggs. <laughs> Tag got Joey Chestnut get, in the post. That, getting that protein. Go, listen, you got to eat like a king, you know, for breakfast, the prince for lunch, and the pauper for supper, man. It's just the way it goes. You keep this thing lean. You and do mean. look pretty husky. Fight machine, right you know now. what I mean? Right, I, I'm, it, is, it is loading right now. So, and it is up. So if you go to Instagram right now, at ESPN Greeny, Greeny with a Y, you will see the happiest man you've ever seen in your entire life so good. eating 
what would literally constitute breakfast for me for a month. The unhappiest farm <laughs> you've ever seen in your life. All I right. mean, you've you got to have a lot of energy on these shows. you got to have some, you got to bring it, man. Right. You gotta, and here's the thing. Dominique Foxworth eats a massive breakfast, mm-hmm. every, and, and he, he is the thinnest human being on the planet. It's got, true. he got metabolism like nobody's business. I'm just, trying to get, I'm just trying to get on that page. That's what I'm trying to work <laughs> with. Remarkably well done. <laughs> We're back in a moment on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. So I got two social media things that we will get into in a minute here in 30 seconds after this word from Pivot Seats. One of them is funny and the other one aggravates me no end. So we will do this in 30 seconds after this word from Vivid Seats. Bowl season, basketball, hockey, pro football, all in action. Vivid Seats has it all for you and your ticket gifting needs this holiday season. See every one-timer, every touchdown, every slam dunk live and in person with great deals on great seats. Plus, with Vivid Seat Rewards, you earn rewards with every purchase. They're here for us fans offering unbeatable rewards like surprise seat upgrades, free tickets, annual birthday discounts, and more. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. All right, hashtag crew is here. Hembo, Cam, Bubba. Two things. First... So I posted on my Instagram this picture that I took of Jeff Saturday's breakfast. And I've got people. I sometimes think people just want to give me a hard time telling me they don't think that's that big a breakfast. 
So I went back in and edited it so I could write out what the actual order is. So for those of you not looking at it, you can see it. It's on my Instagram, at ESPN Greeny with a Y, on Instagram. It is a meat lover's omelet, a full meat lover's omelet, which has in it ham, sausage, and bacon. It is two fried eggs on the side of that, and then a double order, two beef so- orders of beef sausage, each of which look like a kielbasa to me. I mean, they are monstrous and split down the middle. That was his breakfast at 6.10 this morning. That showed up in the room. I, at the same time, was eating a small cup of fat-free Greek yogurt with some fresh blueberries and a little, uh, like, nut mix. So that's what I'm eating, and that's what he's eating. Now, you tell me, Bubba. Are you looking at the picture? Have you seen the picture? Saw it, yep. Is that or is that not a ridiculous breakfast for one person to eat? Well, we are talking about a former NFL offensive lineman, so I think we do have to factor that in. That's hasn't played in 20 years. I agree. The guy weighs like 200 pounds now. He like, weighs like 15 pounds more than I do. He, but, do you ever order a full omelet, like a meat lover's omelet, and two fried eggs on the side? I think we still have to factor in. He's still an NFL player, so he's got that mindset when he's eating breakfast. Like he said, breakfast is his number one meal. He's going in with the NFL mindset, and I'm also going to say, I don't think it's that much. I'm on Jeff's side. I don't think it's that crazy. Me too. This is Cam. Yep. Not so, that so, crazy. So Cameron, it looks I good. I want to eat it right now. I'm not saying I would eat as much as Jeff Saturday. I'm just saying I'm not surprised that Jeff Saturday eats that much. It might but, be a little too much, but it's not. It's not insane. It's not only the much. It's what it is. Yeah, it's a lot of meat. It, it's all meat and eggs. I mean, I looked at him. I said, do you have an artery open? I mean, I, I, that, that, that breakfast should come with an angioplasty. How much okay? protein is in there? Hembo, can you run the numbers on that? I have a conspiracy theory on this. What is it? I don't think Jeff Saturday has actually turned in his retirement papers. You think he's coming back to play? Have you seen the state of offensive line play in the NFL right now? <laughs> yeah. And, and those guys always say, like, if you're just asking me to pass block, which is the only thing teams do anyway, he could actually fake it. He, he was a coach last year. Who's to say he couldn't come back and be a player coach? I don't think Jeff Saturday has, has officially closed the book on his playing career just based upon the fact that he's eating what he's eating because that's not what an NFL analyst on TV would ever eat. That's exactly right. Look, he already came back to coach one time. Let's see if he comes back to play. The other thing that I saw on social media that I think is kind of cute. My wife just sent this to me. It is from um, Awful Announcing on X. It is a picture of Taylor Swift cheering at a Chiefs game. And the caption is, Kansas City Chiefs fan named Time Person of the Year. So I guess what that means is the Time Magazine has named Taylor Swift the Person of the Year. Had you seen that already? I just had seen that news this morning. Okay, I had not. I think that's a a fascinating and interesting choice. It's obviously cute the way they they frame it as, you know, Chiefs fan wins. It's sort of like the Chicago Tribune did when Meghan Markle married uh, Prince Harry and they wrote, Northwestern graduate marries British guy. <laughs> you know, those are sort of fun things. But one way or another, anyway, so, so, so Taylor Swift, known to this audience as Travis Kelsey's girlfriend, I don't know, uh, has been named Time Magazine's person of the year. All right. You want to be a part of Greeny Nation? You can be on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. I feel like we haven't talked about the Bears in a long time. Because they're just, I mean, they're just awful. They're, they're, they've been bad. 
have been bad all season, and they went from being interestingly bad to being uninterestingly bad. They've entered that area. The Jets are in the same place. Like, they're just in an uninterestingly bad spot. And I have been under the impression, I'm not sure if impression is the right word, I have sort of viewed it as a fait accompli that they are going to tear everything down after the season ends. They're going to fire the coach and the coaching staff. Whether they fire the general manager or not, I think remains to be seen. But they will certainly change coaches and change quarterbacks. Justin Fields has, for lack of a better way of putting it, no chance of continuing there because they look overwhelmingly likely to get the first pick in the draft. They have Carolina's pick. And they will have their own pick, which will be, you know, I think right now it's fifth. Yeah, one in five right now. Is one in five. Be, and, yeah. You know, so they'll, they'll have probably the first pick and another one that, let's say, is, you know, in the, in the five to ten range. So you can draft a young quarterback. You can draft a playmaker to go with him. If you wind up with, like, the seventh pick, you're probably not going to get Marvin Harrison. But you get yourself a good playmaker or an offensive lineman, whatever it is you want to go with him. You bring in a new coach and you start over again with a quarterback on a rookie salary contract it has felt to me like a foregone conclusion that's what they're going to do so much so i haven't even brought it up when i asked lewis riddick about it today he said he wouldn't be ready to give up on justin fields what did you think of that i was very surprised um because i've been operating under the assumption that the only reason justin Fields is playing right now is for his next team and for his next contract on whatever that team is i am however intrigued by lewis's idea because let's live in a world in which a new coach has you know, grand plans as far as how to harness Justin Fields' skill set, which we have acknowledged many times is a premium skill set. He is a world-class athlete with a bazooka who we saw star at the Ohio State University in the same offense that C.J. Stroud did. He's just been coached badly. Mm-hmm. Also, imagine a scenario in which the Bears trade the first pick in the draft, Caleb Williams or Drake May, and get a fortune for that pick. All of a sudden, you have an infrastructure of what could possibly be the best collection of young talent, talent on, on rookie contracts in the whole league. And if you have a coach that can harness Justin Fields, and you have a, a, an agent in his case who's willing to maybe accept less than 100 cents on the dollar to sign a team-friendly contract for the next two, three, four years, who's to say that's not a better methodology than sort of like... So you're saying give studs? Justin Fields the Daniel Jones contract? Uh, I'm saying give Justin Fields the Daniel Jones contract, except that you'd have way more talent around him than Daniel Jones Oh, understood, does. but I'm just thinking of the contract. It's a good example. Okay, so, so here's the problem. The guts that would take, okay? The general manager, because here's, here's your fear. I'm putting you in that seat now. Mm-hmm. And Justin Fields never does get that much better, and Caleb Williams winds up being Patrick Mahomes. You will be forever the guy who made who didn't do that it is it has been my observation in 30 years of covering sports that more often than not executives and coaches do the thing that is easiest to explain if it goes wrong Mm. you you are covering your backside you are cyaing or whatever that is all the time so it's very easy to explain we took the quarterback because you, for all the reasons that everyone knows, we start the salary cap all over again. There's nothing better than a quarterback on a rookie contract. The kid's got all the talent in the world, won the Heisman. Everyone loves him. All the obvious reasons. Sticking with Fields is the much harder decision to make, right? I think it's the, the much harder one to explain if it goes sideways. It's the much more difficult one to explain, uh, to explain if it goes sideways. But self scouting is also a really important thing for front offices to do. 
And if I'm running that team, I'm saying to myself, oh, we had the first pick last year. We could have taken C.J. Stroud, but we didn't. We already have a quarterback in-house that we've seen play at a high level in the NFL. Let's continue to build around him and make this roster absolutely jacked. Are you sure Caleb Williams is going to be great? No, you can never be sure anybody is going to be great. Are you sure Drake May is going to be great? I'm sure that how good they wind up being will ultimately be determined more by the situations they're in than anything else. Mm -hmm. I think that... I, I am sure that both of them have, at minimum, the ability to be good players if everything around them is good. You did the draft every year. Are, yeah. are either of them demonstrably better prospects than Bryce Young? The first pick last year? I think Caleb Williams is. Demonstrably better. Well, because there isn't the one obvious glaring question mark. Like, Bryce Young is so damn small. And, and I didn't look, I mean, you, look. So it's complicated for me because I'm the host of the draft. And when you're there, and you see these kids, and you see their families, and you see what it means to them. Like, I don't have it in me. I give Mel credit and all that. I don't have it in me to, like, spoil that moment for them. But my honest opinion is I wouldn't have taken, this is not 2020 hindsight or anything like that. I wouldn't, I said it at the time, I wouldn't have taken Bryce Young first in that draft if my life depended on it. I definitely would have traded that pick away as the Bears did and let someone else take that risk because, and I think that everything has gone wrong in that situation. And I know that a lot of people think now the owner is super meddlesome and, and maybe he is, I don't know one way or the other, but that's my point. Like I, I, it's possible that a lot of things are going wrong around Bryce young, but I would not have taken him first in that draft or in any draft because you cannot have a quarterback who is not six feet tall. You just can't do it. Sure. What I'm doing right now is I'm looking at the MVP odds on ESPN bet. I see a quarterback in Brock Purdy who is a seventh-round pick on a loaded roster. I see a second-round pick in Jalen Hurts who is, uh, who's on a loaded roster. I see a fourth-round pick in Dak Prescott who's on a loaded roster. How many examples do we need to be provided that say it's not just about the freaking quarterback? If you wind up loading up the Bears roster with studs across the top of two consecutive drafts, Justin Fields might become Jalen Hurts. The problem with the Bears is that they've never actually been able to play something out all the way through. It's not obvious to me that Caleb Williams or Drake May are going to be better than Justin Fields, especially if that circumstance in Chicago does not continue to improve. Like The best way to build a football team is just by having a lot of really good players. Jalen Hurts was drafted, and he wasn't supposed to be the starter. Dak Prescott was drafted. Tony Romo was still the starter. Brock Purdy was drafted sort of like an accident, and we thought Trey Lance was going to be the starter. It's not just about the quarterback, and if the Bears had the audacity to pass on one of those two guys and build around Justin Fields, it might wind up being better in the long run. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, Insurance Promoter, Motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. Can I tell you why I think you are completely wrong? Mm. Do you know who the... I just opened it up the list. Do you know who the last MVP of the league was who wasn't a first-round pick? Was Sean Alexander a first-round pick? Can you look that up? Sure. I, don't, I don't even remember. He was the MVP in 2005. I'm going to read you... Oh, I'm sorry. I take it back. Tom Brady won one. So, so Brady was the sixth-round pick. Brady won several. Uh, so, but here are, the, here are the last. I'm just going to read Alexander the names of the MVPs. Pick, mm-hmm. Say it again. I'm sorry. Sean Alexander was a first-round pick. Was a first-round pick. So here we go. Here are the MVPs. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, that's 5-1, and one. Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Adrian Peterson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, that's 11-2. and two. 
Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, that's 13-3. and three. LaDainian Tomlinson, Sean Alexander, Peyton Manning, Steve McNair, Peyton Manning. I mean, the, the MVPs of the league are first-round picks basically every single year. What you may be pointing out this, in this particular instance mm-hmm. is that this year might be a huge outlier. Maybe so. And the 49ers are kind of like their own personal outlier. Sure. Everything they do makes no sense, and yet they wind up doing it better than anybody because— I think it's because their coach is just a freaking genius. Yeah, That's he's great. my opinion. He's great. Um, but none of those guys were high picks. Like, Debo Samuel wasn't a first-round pick. Mm-mm. McCaffrey was. McCaffrey was. Right? George Kittle was not. What was uh, Ayuk? Uh, he was either a one or a two. I don't, even re- I don't even remember him coming out of college, to be honest with you. This is his fourth year. He was a 25th overall pick <laughs> okay, in 2020. Okay, so he was a first-round pick. Yeah. So, so, but but so the, 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 the point here is that, I don't know, I wouldn't have the guts to do it. I would not have the... Now, first of all... Am I presenting a good argument? Yeah, of course. You're presenting a great argument. But it, it depends on one huge thing happening. Well, it almost depends on two things happening. If you're the Bears... Let's actually look at it this way. If you are the Bears and you chose Mitchell Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes... I understand that, what are we, two regimes past that now? Like, none of the people <laughs> left have, were there for that. <laughs> it but, was an entire, uh, entirely new infantry. But my point is, that's part of the reason everyone involved has been fired. Because if they, they drafted somebody ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Now, I personally think they could have ruined Patrick Mahomes, too. But that's a different conversation. The point I'm making is, if the franchise that passed on Patrick Mahomes to take Mitchell Trubisky passes on Caleb Williams to stick with a guy who has shown you flashes, but no more than that in three years, that takes guts. Oh, I don't think they have it. I think that if you're looking at this through you know, sober eyes, you could easily imagine a scenario in which we marry a coach to the quarterback that we have that has at least flashed. We at least have seen him play at a high level in the NFL. Yes, he's gotten hurt. Yes, he's inconsistent throwing the ball. Yes, a lot of things. But if I have like a, the chance to stack my roster up and build around him, even though it might be a little gutsy, I think it might be smarter too. All right. I like the thinking. Let's do sneaky Hembo trivia today. Go. I want to talk a little baseball with the Yankees being at the epicenter of the winter meeting. So there are two players that have hit at least 100 home runs at new Yankee Stadium. The dates to 2009. Aaron Judge is obviously one. Who is the other? The other Yankee who has hit at least 100 home runs in that stadium, which dates back to 2009. That's an excellent question. Looking back with the answer after this word from Farm Fresh, get real and keep it real this holiday season by buying real Christmas trees. Did you know that buying real Christmas trees helps save the American Christmas tree farming industry? For every 10 Christmas trees planted, an acre of land is saved, and so are American farmers' jobs. Plus, buying real Christmas trees helps keep real holiday memories alive while helping our environment. Buy real Christmas trees this holiday season at Lowe's or wherever Christmas trees are sold. Get more information online at GetRealKeepItReal.com. Back with the answer on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Uh, as we roll along here, Hembo's question is ready to go. Wow, okay, and how are your trivia skills? This is Sneaky Hembo Trivia. Regular sneaky or extra sneaky? My question today is this. Um, Aaron Judge is one of two players who hit at least 100 home runs at New Yankee Stadium. New Yankee Stadium debuted in 2009. My question for you three is who is the other? All right, so I feel like because we call this sneaky hembo, the obvious answer is too obvious to me. So, like, I'm afraid to give what I think is the obvious answer because it just seems too easy. (laughs) Bubba, what are you going to say? We're just joking. We feel like you say that every time, and... (laughs) And they're just wrong, but um, yeah. My f- I think the obvious answer is a Rod, right? I mean, Alex Rodriguez had had seven hundred home runs in but- Major League Baseball, and he played well into this time. I mean, I, am, am I crazy, or shouldn't a Rod be the answer to this? Yes, but you say that a lot, and then you guess the obvious answer, and then you're like, "Oh, it was sneaky, Hembo. I forgot." Well, but I don't have a better idea. Yeah, no, I, uh, I don't think it's Giancarlo Stanton. This is a right? tough one. Yeah, Giancarlo is like one of the first be. names He's I came up. He's only played eleven games. Right. That's yeah. what I mean. <laughs> he has not played enough. I'm going to Giancarlo Stanton hit more in other ballparks. <laughs> yeah, a lot of this is a tough one for sure. I am going to go to the early days of new, and I'm going to go with our old friend Mark Teixeira. Ooh. Oh. That's a good one. That it's also a, Brandon's guess. That is a good one. Not my guess. I'm going with Curtis Granderson. Curtis Granderson? Mets legend. <laughs> All right, we got one vote for Granderson. We got two votes for Teixeira. We got one vote for A-Rod, and the answer is? You're on the mark, Teixeira. Oh, oh wow. yes. Wow. boy, Bob. There you go. Uh, Bubba and Brandon. Good. Bubba gets one. Brandon gets one. All right, well done. In the uh, Yankee Stadium, Teixeira has 113 a-Rod has 72, and Granderson had 69. A-Rod wow. only hit 72 home runs starting in 2009? That's right. You gotta remember How many home runs did he hit in 2009? Uh, in 2009, A-Rod hit uh, 30 home runs. you got to remember, though, he missed a full season. Right. The biogenesis stuff. Uh, of course. And basically, didn't, and basically had hit one seven-homer season and one nine-homer season, too. So he missed a lot of time at the end of his no, career. No, I get that. But, I mean, what happened to 2010 and 11 and all those years? He what? hit 30. Never more than 30. 
in those okay, years. Okay, but you only need to hit 230 home run seasons, and now you're within. Yeah, but at Yankee Stadium. Only at Yankee Stadium. Oh, only at just, Yankee Stadium. Just in the stadium. Or just in the <laughs> stadium. I mean, it wouldn't have changed the answer that much, though. You're just multiplying by two in most cases. No, I understand, but I should have thought. I don't think you do understand. Do, do you think you should have guessed it? Did Teixeira cross your mind? No, Giancarlo Stanton crossed my okay. mind. How close is Stanton? Uh, he was tied with Granderson, actually. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what are our scores now, Cam? I am 14 and 26. Bubba's creeping up on me. Bubba's had a Bubba's couple hot. good weeks. 12 and 28. Greeny is 9 and 31. Brandon first win in a while at 4 and 13. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. Mark Cuban is 0-1, as is Dominique Foxworth. Okay. Those are the standings. And, and by the way, since we're talking about a little baseball here, let's do it. I'm ready to go right now. Green light, green light with Greeny. There's one huge question that is going to be answered, and that is that maybe the biggest international star in sport, well, one of the biggest international stars in sports, I think my, my perspective on this is skewed because I was in Japan this summer, and to try to describe the magnitude of Shohei Otani's stardom in Japan is difficult to do. I, I, I don't, I've never seen anything like it. I, and I don't know what it would be like to walk around in Buenos Aires and how many pictures of Leo Messi you would see and or Cristiano Ronaldo in Portugal, or whatever it might be. Let's put it this way. There is no, Shohei Otani is one of the biggest stars in American sports, and there is no star in American sports as big as Otani is in Japan. But whatever, I digress. What the hell is happening with him? Uh, nothing and everything. This is one of the weirder free agencies we have ever seen because we're talking about, by a long shot, the most popular player in baseball reaching free agency, which, uh, by the way, never happens and everything is under the guise of secrecy. Right now, it's believed that the Dodgers, Angels, Cubs, Giants, and Blue Jays are the finalists, but we don't really know anything because for some reason, it's very, very important to Otani and his representation that we don't know anything for reasons unbeknownst to us. Buster uh, only has a really good column up right now on ESPN.com saying, effectively, this is a bad thing for baseball. We should be celebrating this process, and instead, everything is hush-hush. But, Greeny, I think we can actually go back to 2017 when he came over from Japan as sort of a peek into what he might prioritize, what he might care about. You might recall at that time, if he had just waited two more years, he could have gotten $100 million more dollars um, from in, in the big leagues, but he decided to come early because he just wanted to start his clock. He could have also gotten way more money from the Rangers or the Mariners than he did with the Angels. What I'm saying is, Otani is not going to prioritize how much money is in his next contract above all else. He earned $40 million off the field last year. Right. There is a variety of factors that are going to be at play here, and very few of them have to do with how many commas are in this contract. I have to ask you an entirely separate question. When you say he earned $40 million, is that just in the U.S.? I'm talking about the stuff that was reported in terms of his, his off-the-field earnings, endorsements, and things that like that. That feels nature. super low to me. Me too. Super I'm just low. Tell, this was on Sportico. That, that, might, that might literally just be American dollars. Maybe that, so. That might just be what he made in, in off-the-field income in the u.s people as popular and famous as him care about power and influence and gravity and the more and more i learn and read about shohei otani he's pretty different he's pretty he's pretty aaron rogers e i wouldn't be Meaning at all what like what what is that what mean? i mean is what he, kind of different he marches to the beat of his own drum i don't think we should assume anything about what he wants i don't think we should assume that he wants to go to a winner. I don't think we should assume um, what climate he wants to play in. I don't think we should assume that he's going to take the biggest offer. I don't think we should assume anything. What I think Shohei Otani wants, and I'm just guessing based on the very little bit that I know and have heard, 
I think he's going to want as much of a say in the organization that he winds up on as any baseball player has ever had. Not just in terms of like, oh, this is the program I want to abide by over the next decade because I'm a unicorn, but perhaps even personnel, perhaps even ownership stake. Things like that to me are on the table. Certainly could be. As far as the idea, because I'm just reading through what Buster wrote here. It's interesting. The idea that this is bad. Let me read it because it's interesting and we love Buster. Buster writes, his short journey through free agency could have been a celebration of baseball. Otani has more leverage than any player ever. Everybody wants him and everybody wants to give him a lot of money. This really should all be fun, generating excitement among baseball fans dreaming of Otani in the lineup of their favorite team. Instead, his decision is being handled like delicate negotiations over a secret spy swap. There is silence and threats, with club executives rolling their eyes as they describe the warnings they've been given from Otani's camp about publicly discussing their, (coughs) their efforts to sign the most dynamic and popular talent on earth. One general manager laughingly said, quote, sorry, can't talk about the guy everybody is talking about. I did see that Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, acknowledged that they met and this was deemed a very big deal. Like, it may ruin it. I don't, I don't know anything about that. I, there could be – is there some reason why culturally this is different? Like, it's not it's – not, you know, again, I mean, he's from a, from a, a different country with, that may have very different philosophies on things like this. I don't know that. It's actually an interesting question I've not considered. Like, my dad's from Beirut, Lebanon. In his culture, it's like we don't talk about money at all, how much we earn, how we get any of those things. Right. It could definitely be a cultural thing. It could also be an Otani thing. Like, when I say he's very Aaron Rodgers-y, it feels like the Jets' pursuit of Aaron Rodgers. Like, you would just find out little things here and there. There was the attack on reporters when they would find out things, when they would get his number. Like, it's very, it's very much like that. And Otani is very much like that. Very tunnel vision. Very, very, very conscious of his, of his image and everything surrounding it. I get it. And, 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 and he is a megastar and deserves to be. He's a unicorn. He's all that stuff. Oh, I'm throwing in all of the caveats. Yeah. Love him, love him, love him, love him. Mm-hmm. Is he ever going to pitch again? Yeah. You think so? He's going to pitch again. Uh, I'm confident that he's going to pitch again. But I think a big part of why he has still not decided who he's going to play for next is because it's very, very important to him that wherever he goes, he can dictate how often he pitches and how what his rehab schedule is going to look like in every single little thing. And to such an extent, I can understand. And when you have all the leverage in the world like he has, he can say, you're going to abide by what I think we should do or I'm not going to sign with your team. And that is leverage that no baseball player has ever had. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about a guy who's going to be as powerful a figure in your organization as anybody in sports. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers like with the Jets. It, 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 I was just about to say, it is another way in which this is Aaron Rodgers-esque. Um, so, all right, very interesting. We'll, is there any way of guessing when this will get determined? It could be tomorrow. It could be next year. <laughs> we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcast.